Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. How many would agree that this is the last days? If you hadn't figured that out, just look around you. Just when you think things may ease up, it gets even crazier. Matthew 24, the disciples are questioning Jesus. I I could imagine the temptation was probably uh, pretty strong to to talk to him about the future. Wouldn't you think? Somebody that did miracles, that, you know, walked on the water and and took a few loaves of bread and a few fish and then fed thousands of people. You know, he, he might know something about the future. You know, talks about coming from God. The words that he speaks, they're not his. The, act, the works that he, they're not, they're, they're the Father's. Teaches everybody about the, you know, doesn't exalt himself, but teaches everybody about the Father and the Father's love. Amen? Now, when you begin to realize that, you begin to realize that's, that's, a, that's something that's in every person. It's in every one. Hold on, I'll get it for you, Pop. Every one of us, Thank you. there you go. Every one of us have a, have a, uh, a curiosity about the future. Yeah. Yes. Amen. I mean, I mean, you, you just—that's just human nature is like that. You just, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow? And what's unique about serving God is that there's several components of your of your righteousness, your your right standing, your relationship with God that are conducive to God showing you things to come. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, which is the Spirit of Truth, which shows us things to come, and just the inward witness. Things you just kind of know. You know, Jesus, the only time he really chastised the masses is when they didn't understand the times. He said, you know, you can read the weather, but you don't understand the time of your visitation. They didn't either. But that's one of the most important things for us to do is to, to understand the day and hour in which we live. If we don't, then two things will happen. Number one, we will not be equipped to make it through it. And secondly, we're not, we, won't be, we won't be in a position to receive God's uh, maximum potential of what he desires to do. Now, now you got to understand, understand something, and this will help you. To get up and say things like, we know. I mean, you know, we know. You know, we know. You say, well, what do you know? Well, we know, you know. <laughs> well, what do you know? Well, you know, we know. We, you know, you, what do you know? Well, we know there's a God, you know, well, which creates questions in everybody. Well, how do you know? So, you know, we know all the things that pertain to that. But, you know, we know. We know we're in the end times. You know, and there's some other things that we know. We know we're saved. We know we're born again. We know Jesus is our Lord, our Savior. We know the devil is real. We know that there's demonic powers upon the earth uh, trying to do. And, and, and you know, the, 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 the volume of what we know compared to what other people know is massive. And to think like that is not to think with some kind of pride or with some kind of uh, arrogance. It's to kind of create a question of, of why us? Why, why, why would God, uh, you know, take a group of people like this and, and give them deeper revelations, deeper truths, understandings, and insights into things to come? You know why? It's because we wanted it. Whoever you are, however you ended up here, you ended up here out of either hunger or curiosity. <laughs> you might as well be honest, amen? I've seen a lot of people come to church out of curiosity and end up getting saved and getting blessed just because they were curious. But, you know, it seemed there was such a security, you know, 25, 30 years ago 
Uh, when there were, you know, the, the large uh, uh, Holy Ghost meetings with thousands of people, it seemed like there was such a security in that and, and that there was an affirmation. Yeah, we know, we know, because look how many of us there are, and that proves we know. Amen. Because there's a bunch of us, and because there's a bunch of us, we know, you know. <laughs> well, that doesn't, listen, that doesn't necessarily prove anything. Because at one time, there was just one that knew that walked the earth. There was just one. And then he got 12 around him. And then he, he, he touched 70 others. But, you know, most everybody else, they didn't know. They just didn't know. But could you imagine being a, being a humble fisherman and all of a sudden out of your mouth comes this revelation. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He didn't, God didn't give that to a high priest. He didn't give that to a, a Levitical uh, aristocrat. He didn't give that to, a, to a, somebody like Joseph of Arimathea who was probably under the law, a righteous man. He gave that to an old commercial fisherman. Thou art the Christ, the son of the greatest revelation of the Bible. No other revelation is greater than that revelation. All other revelation must find its, its origin in that revelation right there. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Gave it to a fisherman. So there comes a confidence, and I'll touch on this in a minute, uh, because truth has a way of, of imparting uh, a security to your soul. Amen? I'm not looking for another way to get saved. Because what truth does, now check this out, it satisfies. I'm not looking for another way to, I found, I found it. I found it. I found him. I found him. Now, I, I began to read and study through this chapter because the Lord was saying some things to me. In, in Matthew 24, let's see what's the easiest way to do this. Uh, Jesus begins to talk about two different things. His second coming and the end of the age. He begins to talk about some very dark and ominous things, earthquakes and wars. It says in verse uh, 9, it says, They shall be delivered up uh, to be afflicted and shall kill you. You shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. So when you go through these verses, you have to determine what he's talking about because he's referring not only to his second coming, but he's also referring to the end of the age, but he's also referring to what's going to happen to the temple in Jerusalem. So when he makes this statement, he's talking about the persecution that's going to come on Jerusalem because of the 120 getting the Holy Ghost that turned into 3,000 that turned into 8,000 that just kept growing and growing. They couldn't stop it. Amen? But then it says this, it says, and then shall many be offended, everybody say offended, and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Then it talks about false prophets and all these people that will rise up. Uh, go back up into, go back up into verse 4. Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. That's what I, that's the one I missed. Thank you, Lord. That no man deceive you. Then verse 10 says, and then many shall be offended. Now notice those two words, deception and offense. Now, I was doing some study and I went and listened to some people that I have some confidence in that are, you know, in ministry now, listened to their teaching and it affirmed what I felt like I was seeing by the word of God. But we are literally living in the deterioration and the decay of the world system. Now, let me say this. The Antichrist system is not the ability of the devil to pull himself up, uh, from the, uh, up from the bootstraps and make everything real good around here after that the church is gone. 
What the seven years of tribulation is, is God dealing with the nation of Israel about a debt that Israel owes him. You understand that? And in the, and in the vacuum of that, then all these events are going to happen that's going to bring their Messiah. They're going to look on the one in whom they pierced. We've already seen the type and shadow of what will happen when he reveals himself to his brethren. It's like the, uh, the revealing uh, uh, of Jacob and his brothers. Excuse me, Joseph and his brothers. Remember that? Every time I read that, it makes me weep. When he, when he keeps holding back and holding back and holding back and, and finally he can't hold back no more. And he's like, I'm your brother. And they, they were like, we can't even believe that, you know, and the, what, what the devil meant for harm, God meant for good. Amen. Amen. So all of that, all of that, it's, it's in the future of the earth and it's in the future of the world system, but it's not in our future. Now, there's another scripture. Let me read this. Let me read this scripture. Then we're going to go dig around in John. The two things we're going to, to teach on to, to help guard our hearts is how to stay free of deception, amen, and how to stay free of offense. Now, we've always taught on being free of offense, but there's another level we need to go to because the devil's gone to another level, amen? And there's offenses that are happening right now on levels that we thought they would never happen on. People making demands of people, using threats, using intimidation, using... And listen, we're still God's people. We're going to have to walk in love. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, amen. And it's going to be more and more of an effort. But if it's more and more of an effort to walk in love, then God is fueling our faith because faith worketh by love. And he's got some great breakthroughs ahead for us. So we're going to have to be the people that God's called us to be. And not get mad because... The pressure that's on from the top down finally reaches you and something snaps in your life. So what am I going to do now? Well, you, God's your source. That's what you're going to do. You're going to trust God just like you did before all this stuff happened. But now I want to read this. Go down to verse uh, 21. It says, Then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world uh, to this time, nor shall be. Now, we are living around the peripheral of that. Are you with me? We are living around the peripheral of the great, and you think of some of the things that the world has gone through since the flood. I mean, there were the, you know, we were the ancient uh, uh, civilizations such as the Greeks, uh, the Persians, the Assyrians, even the Egyptians that conquered the world did it so violently and ruthlessly, just slaughtering and destroying, and, and that was the nature of man. And then you had, you had different uh, uh, groups such as the Greeks, the Romans. They begin to, uh, for lack of a better word, they begin to temper some of the stuff that was so fierce about nations that conquered the world. Rome was unique. Greeks was unique in, in that its language perpetrated all around so that people everywhere you went spoke Greek. God was allowing that to happen so that there would be a language, a common language that the gospel could be spread by. Then the Roman Empire came and brother, they marched through the known world and they just, listen, they had a whole new philosophy. Instead of just destroying everything, why don't we let them grow their crops? Why don't we let them raise their cattle? Why don't, we let, why don't we let them do all of this and let's just tax them and rule over them? That's what they did. But what the Romans did is they built all the highways. 
that the disciples used to evangelize the world upon. And they also set up many of the sailing routes and developed the marine, what would you call it, the marine industry more than any other nation ever did. Amen. And those were fierce times. You come on up into modern times, the civil war in this nation, horrible. World War I, they called the, uh, the, world, uh, the war to end all wars. Uh, we, my dad and, and, and my brother and myself uh, remember a man that attended our church in Pasadena named Charles Knapp. He was a very unique man in that he was the second most decorated man in World War I. The only other man more decorated than Brother Knapp was Sergeant York, Alvin York from Tennessee. And I remember we had a men's uh, meeting, and, and I remember he dressed in his uniform. It still fit him. And he was, what, Dad, probably in his probably in his late 70s. And this would have been back in the 60s. And he got up and he told the testimony of how God spared his life twice. Once when he was gassed and once when he was bayoneted. And he talked about how horrible that war was and how men just died in mass and how many of them uh, were died, died in combat uh, through, you know, the, 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 uh, the bullets and the artillery and all that. But then thousands and thousands died of sickness and disease. The flu ravaged the camps of all of the Germans, the Americans, uh, the Australians, and the English and the French. It just ravaged them. Thousands have died. Actually, more United States soldiers died of the flu than died of combat. In, uh, uh, Doc and, and Colleen gave me a book about World War I that I read. More men died of the flu than died of, uh, of combat injury. Those are horrible times. Then you had World War II that ended with the atomic age. Amen. And as you go through and you begin to study these different chapters that talk about God showing us insight into the future, they're in Isaiah, they're in Ezekiel, some of the minor prophets. They begin to paint a picture, uh, not, not very enticing. <laughs> it's not paradise. It's not, you know, Caesarus. Uh, uh, it's pretty rough. And the reason that it is is because the wage of sin, the wage that sin pays, that began paying the dividend of that wage, began back 6,000 years ago, and it was probably making 50 cents an hour. You got me? 6,000 years later, it's making about $5,000 an hour which shows you sin and iniquity and the sin that is burning in the hearts of men. David Wilkerson, the great prophet that raised up the great Times, uh, uh, Times Square church, prophesied that in the last days before Jesus come back, there'd be fires all over the world. He said those fires would be representative of the sin burning in the hearts of men. So we're in a desperate time. And we're on the peripheral of the greatest tribulation this world has ever seen. And just like there would be indications of a great storm coming from the, from the Caribbean into the, into the Gulf of Mexico, you that have lived here for quite a while, you know how things will change. And, and, and kind of before the storm, things might be even kind of tropical, kind of neat. But I tell you, every indication is the storm is coming. Every indication is the storm is coming. So the, one of the two greatest tools the enemy is trying to use on the, on the church right now is deception and offense. A lot of deception in doctrine right now. People have kind of got off the track because of an election that went awry. And whether what did or did not happen really is not in our hands to really either judge or change. We're kind of at the mercy of what other people do with all of that. 
But there's people that's taken upon themselves to go down this road, this prophetic road of, well, nothing's really ever changed. The same people are still in charge. This is just a puppet show going on. That's all crazy, folks. You can't listen to that kind of stuff. I said, that's crazy. You've got to realize that these nations are changing, that this world is moving toward a one world government and they don't care about you. They don't care nothing about, well, I'm a woman. They don't care. Well, I'm black. I, they don't care. Well, I'm white. They don't care. They don't care. They don't care if you're a refugee. They don't care if you've swum. They do not care. All you are is pieces of the puzzle in this great drama. The only compassion upon the earth in these days is the church, is the heart of Jesus in the heart of God's people. So we're number one, we're going to have to follow the truth. Everybody say, follow the truth. Now, turn, if you will, to John. This is very hard to study. I trust the Holy Ghost to help me teach it. Go to John chapter 7 first. John chapter 7. In this John chapter, I, I invite you sometime, take an afternoon or something and, and start in John chapter 6, 7, and 8 and go through that and, and read that and study that and meditate it and kind of put yourself there because it's a very unique event in which the compassion of Jesus was there and the, and, and the, and the, and the power of God and, and, and God's grace and mercy and then, and then this religious spirit that just wanted to stir up a fight. And the last person you want to get religious with is with Jesus. Because if anybody's going to set you right, he's going to set you right. Amen. And brother, he set them right and the way he set them right freaked them out. It not only freaked them out, it freaked his disciples out to the point that he looked at his disciples and says, here's your opportunity, boys. You want to leave, there's the door. It's kind of how he said it if you study it. And Peter, he spoke up and said, we ain't going nowhere for you're the one that has the words of life. Amen. So that's, it's an interesting study to see. But in this, we see some things that Jesus says and does that helps us understand the power and the strength of yearning for, desiring, and seeking after truth. Because when you seek after truth, you're seeking after an individual. You're seeking after Jesus. You may be reading and meditating in Joshua or, or in the book of Judges or in Psalms or in Proverbs, but you're studying the Word and you're putting yourself there and you're meditating. What you're, do, what you're doing is you're mining truth. I, I like what one preacher, he looked at it as food. He says, food is real good sitting on the counter, but it doesn't do you any good till you eat it and digest it. Some food's more digestible than others. Amen. So, when we begin to study and seek after it, let me find John chapter 7. Go to verse, uh, go to verse 37. John chapter 7, verse 37. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried, saying, If any man thirst, everybody say thirst, thirst. let him come unto me and drink. Amen. He that believeth on me, as the scriptures have said. Now there is, let me just say this. In these last days, let's do this as a church. Let's do this as a body of a believers that meets together, that prays together, that sings together, that gives together, that wants to serve God together. Let's do this. Let's make our doctrine simple. Now all of us could probably get complicated. 
But as far as our, uh, our reflection of the word and the, let's make it, let's keep it simple. He that believeth on me as the scriptures hath said. It's, that's really simple. He that believeth on me as the scriptures hath said. That is our litmus test. That's what keeps us safe. That's what keeps us from being goofy. Amen. I remember, have you ever seen a trend try to start and it wasn't God? And even though the people that were trying to start it, because it probably had an origin of one time being the Holy Ghost, but every other time after that, it was just ugly. So back about 1994, 95, these guys got it in their head because back then they would put glasses of water under the pulpit. So they'd get it in their head to throw the water on the crowd like it was some great anointing, the power of God. And you know what it did? It got people wet. <laughs> and it also got people mad. Because I was in a meeting with a wooden glass, there was a picture. And the preacher was going to kind of, as a joke, throw it on another preacher sitting on the first row. And he went like this, and the preacher ducked and went on the woman behind him. Well, the meeting was on then. That was the meeting at the Waffle House, not the, in the church. Amen? <laughs> it's just goofy is all it is. See, the Spirit of God will keep you honest. Amen? And truth will do what? We said it earlier. Truth will give you an assurance There'll be a satisfaction there. There'll be a satisfaction there. I remember one time, <laughs> it was the first camp meeting I ever preached in down in Corpus. And, and there was a guy there who was one of the most unique minister, ministers I've ever met. He died and went to heaven, and this guy died, you can tell. <laughs> Gary Woods, anybody remember Gary Woods? He had his throat cut from here to here, cut his vocal cords. He wasn't even supposed to be able to talk, and he could sing like, a, sing like an opera star. And so uh, he was one night, I was another night, and I stayed over because one of the other speakers, Sister Ward, was there. Mama Ward was there, so I stayed over to hear her. So I was there the night he spoke, and he come walking in. And what, what he did is he had everybody bring a, a, a spoon and a lid from a pan. And he said, instead of saying amen, I want you to hit that lid with that spoon. I thought, that's of the devil. Amen. So he come, come down the aisle. He's got camo on, big old combat boots. And he's, got, and he's got this big sack. And he starts preaching about the devil and how the devil's this and the devil's that. And then he takes this sack and he dumps it out all across the stage. And it's hundreds of little rubber snakes and spiders and all this kind of stuff. And then he said this. He said, now come up here. If you're in bondage, you have pain in your body. If they, you know, all the things you can do. Hey, come up here and start stomping on the devil. Start stomping on these snakes. Start stomp And so people came up there and they started stomping. And this little grandma got up and she came up and she started stomping. And when she started stomping, the glory of God fell. Two minutes later, I find myself up there stomping. <laughs> I'm up there stomping on them snakes. Amen. You say, did it get anything? It satisfied me. I said, I, after I went back and sat down, I was satisfied. The devil had been stomped on. Amen. He said, well, I think that's kind of crazy. It may be. 
but it accomplished what truth was dictating that night. The testimonies that came out of that were phenomenal. People lined up on both sides of that platform. It was a little church right there in, on, uh, what's that, South Padre Island Drive there in, in, in Corpus Christi, and it was packed, packed to the rafters, and person after person, when I started stomping on them snakes, the pain left. When I started, the oppression left. When I started stomping, see, and that was one time in one place where the Spirit of God moved in a certain way, and I was in a ton of his meetings after that and never saw him do it again. It was for that time. He that believeth on me, how? As the scriptures say, and the scripture will teach you to follow the spirit. That is the truth of the word of God. Now, notice what it says. This is interesting. It says, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scriptures hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The move of the Spirit, the move of the Holy Ghost in your life personally, in your prayer life, if God gives you a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, if God uses you to lay hands on somebody or minister to somebody or just speak a word to them. Amen? That is the testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your new birth is the testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus could come back around and say, He that believeth on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly, true translation, from the belly of God to the belly of man shall flow rivers, rivers of living water. Amen? I heard an old preacher say years ago, the devil won't follow you into the rivers. And a lot of people live on the edge, but they don't live in them. Amen. So, keeping free from deception literally is the life that we promote and live. Uh, there's, have you ever found out you really thought something or believed something, found out later it wasn't true? You ever notice how disappointing that is? What are you laughing at? <laughs> Never mind. Notice how disappointing it is. How dissatisfying it is. And let me tell you something. Dissatisfaction is one of the greatest tools of the adversary. Because that's exactly what he used on the woman in the garden. Every tree in the garden you can eat of. But of one tree. So you can't be satisfied with all this. You're dissatisfied because you can't eat off this one. That's exactly how the enemy operates. That's exactly how he does it. That's exactly how he tricks people. That's exactly how he deceives people. And I'm going to tell you, the spirit of deception that is upon this world right now is unprecedented in the earth. You know, I was listening to a, a minister talk about, in 1929, he said it was, that Adolf Hitler was in prison for trying to overthrow the German government. And in, in the prison, he wrote his book, his, his what would you call it, his... Uh, yeah, my cough, my struggle, and mapped out everything he's fixing to do in the next 10 years. And you know what he did? He did it. Now, that right there, a lot of people, well, the devil, this, the devil. Listen, there's no movement of spiritual force in the earth unless there's flesh willing to cooperate. And a lot of flesh right now is willing to cooperate with the demonic side of things. 
But in the midst of that, that's going to create a vacuum that's going to cause a hunger for what? For this very thing right here. In, in, in Haiti, one time I was walking in Port-au-Prince. I'd been out, in the, uh, been out on an island for many days, and it was so desperate. And I was walking, and I remember I was walking, I was praying, I was walking, I was praying. And I remember saying to the Lord, these people are starving. I've never seen people starve like this. And you know what the Lord said to me? He said, you see them as starving. They see it as normal. He says, you see it as starving. They see it as normal. And the only way they have any revelation of their own starvation is when somebody that is well-fed is around them. And the Lord, when he said that to me, I knew he was talking about spiritual things. That there's a great, there's a great starvation. But then when people get around people that are well-fed, they realize, I'm starving. I need something to eat. I need something to eat on. I need to, and that's that word that God gives us that he watches over to perform, that he is, that is the manifestation of that, which he says when I watch over my word to perform it, it is what? It is the testimony that he has risen from the dead and because of that, he lives in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, where's my note? I wrote a couple of notes. Yeah, they're here in this one. Nope, I was wrong. Here they are. The two things you must overcome in these last days, deception and offense. Now, deception, that's to cause to accept as true that which is false, to be, to be false and to fail to fulfill. That's deception. I wanted to get over here on offense and connect it to it real quick and then we'll pick it up next week. How's my time? Good. It says this. Oh, I have terrible writing. It says, uh, offense is the motion of, now listen to this, the motion of a perceived attack of that which violates or causes to stumble or fall. Now for years, half of that definition, I didn't know that. I looked in two different sources. I went to another source. I always wondered when I studied the word offense, why is it called the offense when the football team has the ball? Why is the guy moving forward in the back boxing match called the offender? So I studied and went into what the, you know, the, there, there's a lot of Greek, Latin, all this, but I've got a couple of dictionaries and I looked and I'd never seen this, but it is the motion of a perceived attack of that which violates causing to stumble or fall. A motion of, now, Anything that attacks you violates you. Are you with me? All right, an attack, uh, uh, you, you know, you've been working all day, it's three in the afternoon and you get a headache. So a, a symptom, the pain, it's an attack, it violates you. Amen? Now, what is so subtle and so insidious about the devil is he has a way of taking subjects in the world and trying to get the church to adopt them as doctrine. 
in the last days it said many false prophets would rise up. Amen? I've seen it from everything from diet, that if you don't eat this way, you're not going to heaven. No, really. If you don't eat this diet, you're violating the law, and you're not going to... I've seen it with, with merchandise. If you don't pray with this cloth, you don't get near as close to God as I do. I thought... He that believeth on me as the scriptures have said. I don't see that in there. Amen? And there's all kinds of things that are trying right now to encroach upon the truth that is the reality of not only why you believe God, but how you believe God. Amen? So every deceptive force that's working in the earth right now, you're going to have to be real careful of. Politics, religion, morality, amen. I was, saw some statistics today. America is the number one exporter of pornography in the world. Number one, 65% of all pornography in the world comes from three areas in this nation. If you look at those three areas, you wonder why things are going on the way they are. That's why. Amen? And, 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 and America may think that's a fun thing, a thing to celebrate. But you know, you take that stuff and you export it to some nations and some cultures. They think those people are going to come and do that to my daughter. And I will kill you. You see how they're stirring things? You see, we're not exporting all of the wonderful things that America... No, we're exporting ideas and information and images and things that are showing people darkness and people are coming to that darkness and gathering and giving that darkness more and more strength. In the midst of it, the church has to stay lit. Lit. Everybody say lit. That means the fire of God in us, but we cannot be deceived by adopting some of that and thinking, now this is our cause and we have to address this. Amen. You say, no, why are you saying that? Because a lot of churches... They want us to get on the vaccine bandwagon. You say, why? For and against. One group is saying, you better get up and tell your people, it's the shot from hell. And, this, and then the other group says, everybody ought to come and get it at the church. What do you do? You teach people to hear from God on their own and to make personal choices despite liberties being usurped by people in darkness. Amen. And then you learn to develop an ear attuned to deception because the deception is the bait to hook you into the offense. Uh, the, the, that deception is what's running at you to offend you. And it's all, it's, it's all a big lie. It's all a deception. I guess I'll end with this. I'm, I'm a little more jaded than most preachers you'll meet. Not many people get to see the world from the underside that I have. And I found out what a fake it was. Things that I thought were written in stone and for sure with our laws, people that protected us, structure of society, confidence you should have in the greater organizations of our nation. It's all wrong. I, 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 I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. People have been selling drugs for years that work for our nation. 
Amen. I mean, I found that out first time. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, that, that interrupts a conditioning that our education gave me. I don't know about you, but I went to a school where we stood and put our hand over our heart before school and said the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. Amen. So that violated something in me, and immediately deception came in. It's the way it works. And you can think all, everything you want to think about elections and vaccines and viruses or so-called whatever, but you can't let it encroach upon that which is truth on the inside of you or you're going to chase after it like a cause and miss the true reason you're here right now. And that is to radiate the love, the compassion, and the power of God. Why are we seeing these demonstrations of God's power in the house? Because God wants it outside the house, manifesting in people right now who are so afraid. People are not dumb. And they're afraid. They're fearful. They don't know. No, we don't know what happened with elections, COVID, with you name it. All we know that everything that is happening is being used to its maximum potential to change the entire status quo of what we've known for an entire generation. You have to ask yourself, why? Because the time of great tribulation is coming. And that doesn't just get turned on like you switch on a sunny day to a rainy day. That begins to develop. And it comes to a head. And thank God when it comes to a head there'll be a shout of an archangel and the trump of God shall sound and all of that seven year period of time in which God has to deal with the nations of Israel and the enemy is dealt with we're going to be in heaven that is the hope that purifies and that is the reason why people must be born again now now people must be born again amen you love the Lord say this out loud say heavenly father keep my mind in a way in which I am alert to that which is deceptive. I will not fall for the lure of an adversary that would try to pull me out, pull me out of the truth, into the facts of things that are going on in my life and in this world. I will stay true to what's been true to me. I am a disciple of Christ. I know the truth. The truth sets me free. I walk in the freedom that the truth affords me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now again, I challenge you to go study those chapters of John chapter 6, 7, and 8. It's really neat to see how Jesus responds because we think many times he was so passive. <laughs> he wasn't. The conclusion of the argument, because it was, it was a heated discussion in the temple in which the, in which the compassion that was going on there was erupted by this argument. And brother, he set them in their place by saying this, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, say what? He said, you're not going to know anything about the kingdom of God. You know what he was telling them? He, they knew what he was saying. They knew covenant talk. Our ears are not attuned to that. They knew what he was saying. And they rejected it right there. 
They rejected him right there. And you know, that's what life is all about. Coming to a place of acceptance or rejection. I've even done some, some pressuring on people that I've ministered to for years. Here recently, I mean some pressuring. Like, you know, there's no better day than now. No better time than now to get right with God and stay right with God. And, you know, people, they get deceived by thinking, well, you know, it may be this way or it may be this way. And things may go back. And things may... But don't you sense in your spirit. Jesus said, you know, you got to be able to tell the times that are coming. And you can tell. You can tell like you can tell there's a storm in the Gulf. You can tell. But thank God we've got the ark of who we are in Christ and the ark of reality of he and us and us and him. And we're, listen, we're the ones that are doing what? We're eating the body and drinking the blood. We're those people. And, and everybody, he, uh, the other people say, it's a hard saying. Well, it may be hard, but all I know is this. I'm in Christ. I'm a new creature. And because of that, thank God, I got an answer to every problem of life. Say, what is it? Jesus. Well, that's just too simple. Well, not for me. It's that simple. Amen. Stand on your feet. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up to the Lord. Let's worship Him before we leave. And Father, we worship You right now. We thank You. No, no, no matter how dark the day gets, no matter how disastrous an event may be, we thank You, Father, there's the comfort of the Holy Ghost and the strength of the Word of God in our lives. Lord, for almost 20 years we've declared Psalms 91 over this congregation. And we thank you that your word will carry us into the darkest times, surrounding us with the light and the life of God. As we declare, you are our protection. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We do abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, in our travels, in the righteous labor of our hands, in all that we do, and everywhere we go, we declare we are protected and safe. Men and women working at their jobs, we stand against intimidation, manipulation, control. You're of the devil. Foul threats from hell. We declare the righteousness of God. And Lord, I pray men and women will hear your voice, sense your spirit. As Isaiah said, the voice of one standing and saying, walk this way. This is the way to go. Walk in it. Thank you for direction, the knowledge of your will, and all spiritual understanding, that we walk worthy of you, Lord, fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen our witness. Everything we do, everything we are, is a witness of his resurrection. He has risen and has overcome the devil. Death, hell, and the grave. Thank you, Father, for the fire of evangelism in our hearts. Let us be an answer to their prayers. Problem to the devil, a miracle in their life. Lord, we leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you, in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. Shout it out. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgallison.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.